Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes to give everyone a clearer picture of what's going on in the industry since COVID-19. Today, I'm talking with Paul Feig, director of Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy, the new Ghostbusters, creator of one of my favorite shows, Freaks and Geeks, and now the creator of Arting Stalls Gin. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Adam, thank you so much. So where do I find you today? Today you find me in beautiful downtown Burbank, California, um, in my house. Uh, been here for eight months um, and uh, <laughs> desperate to uh, to resume normal life. But um, but you know it, it's been you know I, I can't complain. I just I miss New York because I have a place there. And uh, uh, right before the pandemic, I was actually shooting in. Um, North Carolina, and so was coming into Manhattan on the weekends to my place. And one of the last weekends was like, "Oh, I'm going to leave all this stuff here because <laughs> I'm going to come back next weekend and pick it up." <laughs> and so, lots of stuff is stranded, yeah, <laughs> in uh, New York right now. <laughs> so, uh, were you? Did you complete shooting in North Carolina, or is that on hiatus now because of everything that's happened? We actually only we were prepping for this new TV series um, and shot for one day and it was halfway through that first day. We were sort of the last show that hadn't closed down because the you know, the studio base, we were, we were kind of in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So it felt like, okay, we can kind of keep going. But halfway through that day, we were in one scene where we were in this little room and I remember just going like, forget it. We got to get out of here. So, so we shot for one day, but we shot so much stuff. We were able to put together a 16 minute presentation and ended up uh, selling the show. Oh, that's amazing. That. Yeah. So we just got picked up. So I'm actually heading back to North Carolina. Um, a week from today. So, uh, what is? Uh, I mean, this is off the topic of Jim, but now just out of curiosity, what is the show and who picked it up? Uh, it was it's picked up by the Fox Network. It's it's called This Country, and it's a, a remake of a British TV show of the same name. That's very much in the style of The Office, but about um, two cousins who live in this very small town. It's very very funny and slice of life and, and super fun. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, your your day job is uh, directing, uh, writing, et cetera, in TV film. But then on the side, you decided to create a gin. So I'm curious, yeah. what was the um, the reason for wanting to create a gin? Um, I mean, you have a funny quote on your, uh, you know, on your, on your site for the gin that says, you know, you've, you never met a gin you didn't like, but, uh, found one you loved when you made your own, but you know, there, it's, it's funny because a lot of people making alcohol is, is not easy. So I'm curious what, what, uh, was the inspiration for it? Well, I mean, this has been decades in the making. Um, I've always been a, an absolute devotee of, uh, cocktail culture and just sort of the, the cocktail lifestyle really. And, um, you know, early on, you know, basically, you know, realized that the martini was sort of the gold standard of, of, of cocktails, just everything about it. I mean, you know, the taste of it, but also just the it's the perfect glass and everything. It's just aesthetically pleasing. And to me, it, it represented adult life, uh, which I always just, you know, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be an adult. <laughs> uh, and, and so, but, you know, had a bad experience with gin as a kid, weirdly, as I think a lot of us, you know, would sneak down to your, you know, the somebody's parents' basement bar, and of course, you get into the bottles, and the first one you open is gin for some reason. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, and you just get this blast of that pine salt, you know, scent and taste, and you're like, oh, this is terrible. So I think a lot of people, including myself, go like, oh, I don't like gin. But when I wanted to get into you know martinis and all that, you know, realized after my reading that a real martini is gin. And so this was 25, almost 30 years ago that I was like, I got to just, you know, I got to learn to love gin. And I was in London at uh, the, the Savoy uh, Hotel and went up to the bar um, 
and the guy made me a, a martini that was so perfect. Uh, and that was the moment I was like, oh, I do like gin because it's, pre- you know, it's presented correctly. It's ice cold. It's got, right. you know, that you know, beautiful twist in it. And so it just started this lifelong love affair with, um, with gin. Um, you know, but there's always things about it that I carried along from those old days of going like, oh, it's still that really piney thing, you know, and back then that's really all you could find is the beef eaters and all, you know, but over the years traveling with my wife all over the world, making my movies and just going on trips, I would just anywhere I'd go, I'd try different gins and, and started to discover, oh, there's a million different variations, some that don't have that super juniper forward thing that I that I didn't like, some that are more botanic, I mean, that are more almost like savory, you know. So, uh, so it just started like, I mean, like 15 years ago going like, God, if I can make my own gin, I, I know I can make one that I think people would really like that would kind of bring all the, everything together, take out the things that a lot of people are put off by, but keep the things that people who like it have, you know, do like. And so, yeah, just kind of made this vow, like if I ever could. And literally about 10 years ago, just started talking to my agents and stuff and saying, you know, because there's departments in, in my agency that kind of help with this stuff. Said like, can you get me a gin? You know, get my, my own brand of gin. And they're like, that's impossible. You, you, know, just, <laughs> you, you know, you're not, you know, you, you, you know, you're you're doing well in the industry, but you're not George Clooney. You're not a famous actor, a famous you know musician or something like that. So I just said, you know, just stay on it, really. And I had also requested, I wanted to do my own clothing line too, which they also said was impossible. But then we act, they actually got me hooked up with um uh, j crew and i did a little line of stuff for them for charity that expanded into a big you know uh, two suits and all kinds of accessories and stuff so once that cracked i was like well you come on you guys can pull off the gin right and so <laughs> you know, so they found this company called minhas which is uh, out of calgary in canada but they have a distillery in wisconsin in monroe wisconsin and um they they had been approached a lot by by you know people in showbiz who wanted to have a brand and they just had no interest in it. But they saw that I was really serious. They liked the lifestyle that I represent and kind of how I you know in press I'm always in a suit and tie and you right. know, just and and so they'd been looking to do a premium spirit because they're a big brewer of beer. They um they're like the seventh biggest uh, brewer of beer in North America. They, you know they do they they made their name making sort of like like lower lower priced beer uh that was really good and then then they uh, went into well drinks with their spirits uh you know they do like the rum for um trader joe's and that kind of thing but they wanted to they wanted to have a premium and so that's that's what we did and this was like almost three years ago and we've been just working on it ever since and uh it's been the most rewarding collaboration of of my career because it's just something i'm so passionate about right well, so where I mean, so obviously you said it, it, it came from wanting to be an adult, um, but where, where sort of do you know where that came from as a kid? Like, was it just that you were looking up to? Um, and I would assume this this goes into also your desire to always to wear suits and things like that. Just were, were there people you were looking up to, or you know, others that you were trying to emulate in either the entertainment industry or things like that? And you're like, oh, they always wear a suit, they drink gin. That should be something that I do as well. And then just sort of became your personality. Yeah, you know, there's there was a key moment in my life, and it happened very very early. I I, I think I was five or six. This sounds very weird. Um, and when my parents took me to Las Vegas uh, because they were going to see a Muhammad Ali fight. 
And this is at the Sands or the Dunes. I forget one of those. But, you know, this is back in the glory days of Vegas when, you know, it was very glamorous. And I remember they were going to go to the fight. So they're taking me. That was the, the time when you couldn't even as a kid walk through a casino. You had to be like up on the edge. So we're walking around the outer edge of this casino. And I'm looking down at these lights and these people. And everybody's dressed in like suits and gowns and tuxedos and they're drinking you know cocktails and they're smoking you know and i'm just like transfixed by this and then in the cruelest possible way for this casino they had the like the uh, the nursery was right on the edge of the casino so i remember being put taken in there and there's a big sliding glass door and they close me in there with a bunch of other kids and all I do is spend the entire time at the window staring out at this adult wonderland in front of me <laughs> and going like, God is my witness. I will be an adult. I had no interest in the other kids. I had no interest in, in the stuff they were doing. And I just wanted to be an adult. And I, that never left me. It's the craziest thing. Like I just have been obsessed with sort of, you know, just grown up culture ever since. And, you know, and then also with my mom, I was an only child. I used to watch old movies with my mom all the time and, you know, watching those movies of the 30s and the 40s and the Thin Man movies and, you know, Cary Grant and everybody drinking cocktail, you know, those movies of the 30s, which have really gotten my wife and I through uh, through quarantine because we just went on a binge of just watching everything from the, the those old William Powell movies and stuff. Yeah. You know, because it is, it, it, that's, you know, it's coming, you know, between world wars and coming out of the depression and everything, how everybody was just, you know, sort of, you know, they they just kind of cut loose with this almost, you know, this wish fulfillment of these supper clubs and everybody's in gowns and tuxedos and drinking champagne and, you know, cocktails every place they sit in, in their house. You know, and that stuff just really affected me to the point where I was like, well, why can't life kind of be like that? You right. <laughs> why can't we kind of move it that way? You know, and especially in the world now where, you know, it, you know, like I, I just turned 58 it, it, my generation of guys have really been sort of a, a lost cause because, you know, we were kind of coming out of the 50s and the 60s with, you know, where the patriarchy was kind of all about, you know, dads and, you know, this kind of like suit and tie represents something bad. And so all the guys my age kind of like, oh, we're not going to do that. We're going to dress like kids and we're going to wear shorts and do whatever we want. And, you know, and so that kind of just sort of <laughs> polluted adult culture for for guys my age, you know. And, and so it was like, why can't we bring back that time, you know, without the weird, you know, weird politics of it. Right, exactly. But the, you know, but at the same time, like just that kind of not being afraid of glamour and, and, and not being afraid, not feeling like, oh, I'm pretentious if I put on a suit or, oh, I'm so uncomfortable, you know, that kind of thing. Just like, let's just bring kind of that adult time back. So you work hard and you play hard. That that makes a lot of sense to me. So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, got into cocktails, uh, wine, et cetera, for, in the same way, uh, mm -hmm. because it felt like a very adult thing. You know, it's one yeah. of the only things we're restricted from doing until a certain age. And also, you know, it's funny, our, our, uh, our employees always joke, like, you know, why, why don't we wear suits more? Or why don't we do some of these things more? Yeah. Just because it, it is something that goes hand in hand with, with the, that connection to cocktail culture. So, the, so what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I'm curious. So obviously they were able to make, you were able to, to make this connection and, and make this gin happen. What went into the formulation? How long did that take? Um, and what was that process like for you? It was, I mean, it was great. It was so much fun. It's nerve wracking because it's got, you know, I've written a few books also. And, 
but there's kind of this thing where like, you know, you're, you're kind of putting it together and getting what you want. But then when it comes down to like, okay, now I'm going to send this off and it's finished. Like I'm stuck with this, <laughs> you know, right. same with my movies, but really, you know, anything like that where you're kind of like, Oh my God, now I'm going to live with this rest for the rest of my life. And so that it was kind of the same way in the, in the formulation of this, you know, it took us about a year uh, all in to, to get the recipe right. Um, you know, but it started with me sitting down with them and just kind of describing what I wanted out of the gin, you know, and, and talking about referencing like, oh, I like this brand, but here's what I don't like about it. I like this brand. Here's what I don't like about that. You know, but I want to bring this in, which I haven't had before, you know, and really just it was a total just kind of talking it out type thing with a couple of tastings, you know, to, you know, of, of other brands to sort of point point out my, and illustrate. And then they went away from that and, and came up with eight, eight variations, um, you know, that were kind of, you know, not that close together just to really get a, get a sense. And so going through that, you know, I like this, but I don't like this part of it. I, you know, this, no, you know, and from that, you know, that, that's just kind of how it went. And so they would take those notes and then they'd bring back eight, eight much more micro variations. And we did that several times, you know, and really worked our way towards, towards the final recipe. But, but what I was so fascinated by is how the alcoholic content, content changes everything. Right. And I did not expect that. I thought it was going to be all botanicals. And obviously it is. But, you know, when we got down to one of the last rounds, there was one that I was like, wow, like, this is so close, but something's off. You know, and, and I said, maybe it's too much of this botanical. Maybe it's too much of that. And, and Ravinder Minhas, who was one of the co-owners of the company, he's like, he goes, I think it's, I, I think we're off just a, a hair with the alcohol content. And I was like, no, it's not that it's, it's a taste. He goes like, okay, okay. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do one of this, you know, lower and, and you can do it in the next tasting. And he was completely right because the one that I was having an issue with was at 44% and it just was too alcohol forward. But then he also did one at 40% and I tried that and it was too botanical forward. But then when he did the 42%, it was completely perfect. That's and, amazing. And, yeah. And it was crazy. I never expected that that was going to be such a heavy factor, you know, in, in conjunction with the botanicals. Yeah. It shows you how much there's, there goes with sort of dialing it all in, right? So you can have what you want, but then everything kind of plays on itself. Uh, which I think is really interesting. It's exactly like when we do sound mixes, you know, where it's like, you know, one element is just a little too loud. It throws everything off. So it's just having, having a master, you know, mixer who goes like, oh, if we just pull this back a hair and push this up a hair. And that's exactly what it was. And, you know, and now I'm just, you know, I, there's no other gin I, I drink now. That's amazing. Uh, I, I love my gin. Yeah. So um, what has it been like for you to now be involved in launching this product. And especially, obviously, you know, the, the large issue we've already spoken about is COVID, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of people launch new brands, especially, you know, brands connected to people who are, who are known like yourself through on-premise because you can get in when other smaller craft brands might yeah. not be able to, um, but there is no real on-premise right now. So what, what have you done to try to launch the brand? Sort of what are the plans moving forward for the brand? Yeah, I mean, it was hard because we were literally set to go into a lot of places um, right when everything shut down. So, um, you know, but we're, we're very close to getting uh, a major distributor, uh, which will probably happen next month. I don't want to say who it is because we don't have it yet. That's but, okay. Um, 
But, um, you know, I'm, I've been just been doing tons of outreach, really calling just, you know, owners of various liquor stores, you know, who we wanted to get into and just talking to them. But also I had this Instagram show uh, that I did throughout the, the first uh, hundred days of the, of the uh, quarantine. Um, and just a nightly show to really to raise money for for COVID charities and for Black Lives Matters uh, charities at you know down a couple months in, and um, but you know also got to talk about the gin and, and it was really I, I wanted I I collect cocktail books and I like making cocktails but I've only made like, I only have like a few that I really make I am a master martini maker I will tell you <laughs> okay <laughs> but but I've always wanted to make other ones and never had the time really or, or just you know. Whatever. I'm always, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, it, it's such a specialized thing. But then I use this to kind of teach myself on camera how to do cocktails. And so, you know, made well, you know, 110 different cocktails. I invented 10, 10 different original recipes and, um, you know, so, so it was really fun. So that kind of was a way to sort of, I didn't want to make the show about promoting my gin because it was such a dicey time, but right. know, the gin was there and I would mention it and all that. And then, um, yeah, and then now I've just been, we've just been kind of getting back into starting to push it out there. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's such a slow windup that you just have to be patient with it. You know, and again, I'm not George Clooney. I'm not, I'm not Aaron Paul. I'm not, you know, these guys who, you know, I'm still kind of, you know, most people don't even know what a director does. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah, you know, like when I was directing The Office, I remember like I was at some party and some woman go, oh, you direct The Office? She goes, oh, have you ever met Steve Carell? It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I've met Steve Carell. <laughs> I do direct him. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it, I definitely have a, a leg up on, on most people you know, most people who are trying to start out a brand, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's still a, a daily struggle to get it out there, but yeah. you know, we're coming up with a lot of fun stuff and, and um, you know, once we get this big distributor, we can really go whole, whole hog, if you will. Um, I'm going to come back cause I need to know your martini recipe. Yes. But before I ask that, so, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, you know, one of the more famous gins recently um, owned by a celebrity was yes. really well known for the the commercials they created, right? Yeah. That they they did some really funny stuff. But again, that that celebrity who we won't mention is not a director, <laughs> yeah. uh, right? So you are. I have to assume you have thought about what the what those might look like or, or things that you can can do on Facebook, Instagram, etc. That really help promote the gin in, in sort of the same ways that they did, but probably different. Just given your background and also your background in comedy directing, um, has yeah. that been thoughts so far? Well, yeah, I mean, we're the thing is we're not at the point where anybody's willing to put the money into doing right. a big, big thing. But yeah, I, I think about it all the time because um, <laughs> celebrity who will not be mentioned uh, is extremely clever yeah. and, and really funny, and I, I know him actually because I worked with he and his wife. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, I don't want to get into his territory because you know it's going to look like that's what i'm trying to do and that's right. not really what i want my brand to represent i want my brand to represent that it's fun to be an adult you know ah. but also it, it, i'm trying to hit this kind of like it's okay to try to be classy <laughs> you know right. what i mean <laughs> if you have a fun attitude towards it it's not like oh let you know be a stuffy you know stuffy guy in a, in a tuxedo but like Again, you know, adult life is fun, but like give it the respect that it deserves and embrace, 
the 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 coolness of it and the beauty of it you know going into a going into a beautiful bar in, in manhattan you know where the bottles are all uplit and it's beautiful wood and everybody's dressed up and you're having you know, martinis out of gorgeous glassware you know that's what i want to the, the aspirational thing i want to try to bring to this but with an irreverence to it too so, so it's a needle to thread um yeah. but you know i'm definitely we're definitely <laughs> working on it so what is your martini recipe well, I I have two. Uh, okay. One the the best is the Duke's uh, Duke's Bar uh, Martini, which is you um, you freeze everything. So you take your bottle and your glass and you freeze it for you know a long time, and then you take take them out and it's only a four ounce, not a ten ounce, please. Uh, four ounce <laughs> martini. The, the ten ounce. We'll we'll talk about the ten ounce and my hatred of that soon. But so you basically you know got your frozen glass. You you put in a little bit of vermouth. You you swirl it to just coat the edges, and then you dump out the the rest of the vermouth. Then you take the frozen gin and just straight into the glass. Um, you know, up to the top, and then you get a, a good lemon uh, with a good thick rind. Uh, Dukes, they bring them in from the Amalfi Coast. And you cut a very big, wide twist, and you squeeze it over the top, get all the oil out, kiss the edges, and plop it in. And it's like the perfect martini, but it is a strong martini because it is completely undiluted. It's four ounces of gin. <laughs> yeah, four straight ounces of gin with a with a kiss of, of vermouth. Uh, and then my other one is just is basically I, I you know I, I do it in a mixing glass with ice same thing like just a micro drop of, of vermouth I'm not I'm not a fan of like no vermouth or like just look at the bottle because you do need something it's like right. putting a drop of water in into a single malt you know whiskey you just need to open it up a little bit but then you know but stir it long enough to get it ice cold but not to dilute it too much pour it in and the same thing with the twist and oh baby it's good. So you would do that. So so you would not be a, a fan then of like the the people who've done either the fifty fifty, which is becoming like all the rage in Brooklyn. Yeah, um, exactly. Or or the 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 thing you know serving the martini on the rocks. I would assume is also something you're not. Yeah, a, I'm not a big. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like all that dilution. Yeah, and um, I mean, look, I mean, the fifty fifty is really like how, where the martini started. I think yeah. back in the day. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I like I like vermouth. I just don't for some reason don't like it competing. In, I don't. It's weird. Like if I do a, like a drink that has like a lot of vermouth and a lot of gin in it, I have no problem with it if it's not a martini. But for some reason, if it's in a martini glass and it's that much vermouth, then it's it's I find it slightly off putting. But that's just to me. Also, I've been traumatized over my life by <laughs> bad martinis, um, you know, in, in so many places where they don't know how to make a martini and they they overload the, the vermouth and then they don't make it cold enough. So you get this kind of like tepid you yeah. know smell of too much vermouth and usually they don't keep their you know first of all isn't isn't it amazing how many people don't know you're supposed to keep vermouth in the refrigerator oh it's like, in, many, incredible it's incredible even at bars yeah i mean and how many times you've gone to somebody's house been in a bar and you go like oh my god like you have vermouth oh yeah it's over there in this dirty bottle <laughs> you know it's been clearly been open for years you know and it's like oh my god you know so um yeah it's <laughs> you got to get it right so yeah, yeah if you got nice fresh vermouth then uh, you know all bets are off it is pretty funny yeah there's the misconception you have to you can put on your bar, which obviously not. And then also that people don't realize that it's wine and goes bad. Yeah. You know? Totally. And, and so, yeah, there's been lots of places where I've been and the bar bars or houses where that's, it's just turned and it ruins the drink. Oh my God. Completely oh. ruins the drink. 
And that's when they put too much in on top of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so that, that's, that's really interesting. So um, if you were to think about sort of your ideal places for this gym, you know, in the next year or so, are there bars that you love both just because, you know, now mentioning that you, you know, you come to New York often, you have a place here, LA, are there bars that you'd be like, man, I would really love if these places had, had my gin and also were making, you know, great martinis or other cocktails with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm already, I was, we were all set to go into the polo bar. Um, cause I, that's one of my regular haunts and they, they know me there and they're very kind they actually keep it, always keep it behind the bar for me. Um, but you know, until we have a distributor, we can't, they can't legally take it in. So, but definitely the polo bar, definitely Bemelman's, uh, which is one of my other favorite bars in the world. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants there called Il Tonello, which, which is a great Italian restaurant. Um, you know, and then like the Soho houses I'd like to get into, but you know, or the King Cole bar, any of the, look, I'd, I'd like to be in any, all bars everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, to ha- be in those sort of the, the pinnacle of sort of the class and the cocktail culture places. And then, you know, a lot of the hipster bars down, down in the village, which I'm not as familiar with. I mean, is death and company is, is in Manhattan, right? Is, yeah. Yeah. East village. Yeah. Okay. But you know, but those kind of places too, cause I'd love, love to have these, you know, these new mixologists who are so great, you know, really have some fun with it. Uh, you know, and, and I think they would, you know, we put so much time into the design of the bottle and of the label, um, that it's really part of the experience, um, yeah. you know, cause it looks like a decanter and it's all kind of cut glass and this beautiful, you know, top on it that is like a giant diamond, <laughs> you know, we, I really wanted it to be something that every bartender wants up behind their bar, that every home bar wants to have on their cart, you know, um, cause that it's, it's all about that presentation, you know, the getting the gin right is priority number one but once you've got it and you're like oh i love this the idea of just kind of putting it into a normal bottle is really kind of abhorrent to me because it's not you know again it's not the presentation it's like drinking you know drinking a martini out of a red solo cup you know you right. got you want the full experience and so um so so i i feel like anybody i show the bottle to any bartender they tend to flip out over it uh and it uplights nice you know it yeah. really it catches the light or so you thought a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see this, especially with your love of martinis, this, uh, this doing very well at Dante. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. It'll you know, be great. Yeah. With, with their, with their, with their martini list and all that stuff, which would be really great. Um, yeah. so do and, you and, and like the tower bar in LA, you know, that, yeah. that would be a dream. So, you know, what are the next, what are the next six months to a year look like for, for you? Obviously you're going to shoot this new show in North Carolina. Um, what do they look like for you? And what do they look like for the brand? Uh, full speed, full steam ahead. Really, we're um, you know now that we're we're almost ha- almost have this distributor, we'll be getting out a lot of places, but we're already set to go into like Bevmo and Total Wine, you know those places. So so we'll be getting out there. So now it's going to be about just kind of getting the word out um, because we're already all over Canada. We're in all the uh, the st- you know the state run liquor stores there um, because since Minhas is, is a Canadian based company, they've got a lot of, a lot of clout over there. Um, and, and we're in a lot of places like barkeeper in, in those in, in, in LA, um, remedy liquors, all that. If you go to, if you go to artingstallsgin.com, you can see all the places to get it, but you know, we're very close to being everywhere. And so that's where the real outreach is going to begin. I'm also going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting in North Carolina for a month. And then I, I take off to London to shoot a movie. So I'm going to be in London a lot. Oh, wow. And that's okay. the, that's the next goal is to really to get it into London. 
um, just because it's such a great gin market and also, yeah. but, but, you know, I, the, the weird thing about the 750 milliliter bottles versus the 700 milliliter bottles is, you know, right now we're busy making the making the mold for that 700 one because you know that's you know that's that's what you have to bring into the uk you can't bring in a 750 so it's you know just one of those little things to to complicate everything yeah exactly in in, in times are also quite complicated so <laughs> yes exactly so but uh but i, mean, I also I, we're doing a collaboration with the rake magazine uh to do a bottled negroni that that i formulated um and so that's going to be coming out in a, in a couple of months um that we yeah. What does your Negroni look like? Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, I, I don't want it, it's got some secret things in it, but, okay. um, but it's, it, it's, it's very traditional Negroni with just a little extra something. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of it. I'll definitely keep an eye out for it then. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a really, really interesting conversation. Um, I, I love like hearing about how you started the brand and where you see the brand going. I think you're, your positioning of it as a brand that really speaks to fun adulting in a very classy way speaks to me very strongly. I think it, it probably speaks to a lot of other people. I think that's why a lot of us fell in love with cocktails in the first place and sort of where, what, how cocktails make us feel when we consume them. So I, I think it's, it's really smart. Oh, I love that. Thanks. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, you know, it's such a weird time because there's so many, you know, people in showbiz are trying to come up with their own liquor brand. And I always kind of want to just go to everybody like, no, I've been trying to do this for decades. Like, don't, don't steal my thunder, everybody. So, uh, so when you see that my name's attached, don't go like, oh God, another showbiz idiot. It's like, no, this is, I'm really, really dedicated to this. I'm as proud of this as, as I am of some of my movies and, and more proud than some of the other ones. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And again, people can find out where, where you can find it, artingstalls.com. Correct? Uh, Artingstallsgin.com. Artingstallsgin.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. And we'll obviously we'll put that in the notes as well. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been awesome. My pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal. Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.